Okay, so it's the 27th of May, day 712 of lockdown. More uncensored, unfiltered, unedited thoughts from my brain into this microphone uh, and then onto the, the internet in a format that is like but is not. Is like but is definitely not a podcast. Um, I wasn't really sure what I was going to talk about today. Uh, I mean, I'm not ever a hundred percent sure. I usually, I, I, I try not to have a plan too much. Uh, sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, I'll talk about this video game or this TV show that I've been watching." Today, I think the thing I'm going to talk about, and I'm not sure how I'm going to talk about it, uh, is I think it's weirdly it's going to be, uh, oh, it's going to be one of these ones that's about mental healthy. Oh no. Uh, oh no. Uh, because that's something I think I also talk a lot about. Um, I've been I'm very open with my friends and uh, sometimes just people I've just met uh, about my um struggles of my mental health. It's an interesting thing as well. Sorry, because you knew that that's what I meant, right? If somebody goes, "Hey, I'm going to talk about my mental health," it's very rare that they follow up with, "I'm going to talk about my mental health." It's um, it's been pretty solid my whole life actually. Uh. Uh, quite comfortable, quite confident, quite uh, uh, oh, very sane, uh, no blips. Uh, yeah, that's not the thing that tends to happen. Although, like, it's like I do like the destigmatization that uh, of the the sort of slogans like "We all have mental health," uh, you know, but we only talk about it when it's poor mental health. And uh, that's, I mean, my mental health at the moment is considering everything. Pretty, pretty good. Um, like the, yeah, I was like yesterday, for instance. I uh, the reason why I think I want to talk about this is yesterday, I uh, called. I made a phone appointment with my doctor because I needed to get a prescription for my hormones. Uh, that's a totally separate thing. That's physical medication, uh, which I needed a prescription of. And she was like, "Oh, do you need uh, more fluoxetine?" And I was like. No, I'm I'm off that. We discussed. We've talked about this. Fluoxetine, for anyone who doesn't know, is Prozac. Uh, you might have heard it as that name. It's an antidepressant uh, which I was taking for a long, long time. Um, at one point, uh, I was taking it at eighty milligrams, which is slightly above the recommended dosage, uh, but not to the point. Not to the point where it's dangerous, uh, but to the point where it was very helpful to me. In fact. Um, I was on, I've been on antidepressants pretty solidly until the end of last year. Uh, I've been on antidepressants for for about twelve years. Uh, so that's a big thing. Like eleven and a half years. That's how long I was on antidepressants. And here's the thing: like uh, depression has never been my big thing. I have struggled with bouts of depression here and there, but it's usually been caused by some other underlying thing, like um talked before about my OCD and my um, uh, um, general general anxiety disorder. It's a fun thing. And here, the thing about this is, mental health is, is interesting to me because there's a tendency to sort of turn it into one thing. Like, oh, I have OCD. That is the thing that I have. But that's not how it works. I had a psychiatrist, uh, she was fantastic, who explained this to me uh, in great detail. Like, uh, she's like, 
one of the big problems that we run into is as a, as a society, we want to put people into a single box, right? Uh, give them the diag like that. Give them a diagnosis of one thing, and that's what they have. And therefore, we now know one hundred percent how to fix them, because we fixed other people who have that, and therefore we can fix this person exactly the same. And uh, my psychiatrist pointed out that that's not how it works, because human beings are incredibly complicated. Our <laughs> everyone is different. Everyone's brains are different. Like everyone's situations are different. Everyone's health prob mental health problems are different. So yes, while I was diagnosed with obsessive disorder, oh my gosh, obsessive compulsive disorder, general anxiety disorder, uh, social anxiety disorder, like, none of these really mean anything on their own. Right? They're not um, the full picture of who I am and what my mental health is doing. In terms of TV shows, because I do always expect TV shows, something one TV show that I think uh, nailed this perfectly is uh, the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a fantastic show. It's about <laughs> a woman called uh, Rebecca Bunch, played by Rachel Bloom. Uh, and by the way, if you ever get a chance to watch the outtakes uh, for that show, you better believe that a lot of people keep calling Rebecca Rachel. <laughs> like, because it's a, a character who's based on her because she had mental health issues in her life and that's what the show's about like it's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend which is a terrible name but uh, if you think about if you don't know what the show's about it's like oh god it's like a horrible trope the idea of the crazy ex-girlfriend the thing is though she is mentally unwell uh, the first thing we see her do is take pills uh, and they are specifically the wrong pills uh, which we find out much later on. Uh, as a, like, there's a point in the show where she gets a diagnosis of her uh, her condition. Uh, oh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the show, I, I, if you didn't know, uh, is also a musical. Like, so every episode has like two or three songs. Uh, yeah, it's a great show. It's on Netflix. You should watch it all. It's fantastic. Um, the, the songs are amazing, but this song is called A Diagnosis. And it's this big, like, uh, like, climactic song. Here's the thing. That's not the end of the show. Her getting a diagnosis is not the end of the show. Like, she has this whole thing where she's like, oh, I sh I'll be fixed now, I'll be better now. And her psychiatrist and her doctor are both like, Nah, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, and that's a huge deal, right? A huge thing that you don't usually see in TV or film or whatever. Usually you see somebody has a diagnosis of something and it's a character trait. Or, uh, and, they're, uh, and they're locked up. Right? It's so weird. Whenever you hear about people with a diagnosis, diagnoses, um, it's like their main character trait. It's the biggest thing about them. And a big, I guess part of that is just that uh, TV and film aren't great at representing anything <laughs> beyond the norm uh, because it requires nuance and some shows are not capable of that. Uh, you know, uh, it's why I've had to live through a hundred thousand 
completely incorrect uh, interpretations of what obsessive compulsive disorder is on television. And this is the thing as well. OCD is different for everyone. Like, uh, people assume that if, if I say, oh, I have OCD, people assume that I'm uh, really tidy, I switch the lights on and off, uh, that I wash my hands all the time. Uh, if they've seen Rain Man, they inexplicably assume that I can count really well. Uh, <laughs> didn't even have OCD, but that's but a lot of people have genuinely made that connection. Uh, but the thing is, uh, I don't have that kind of OCD. Like, I, I don't need everything to be tidy. If you've seen my flat, you know that that is the case. Uh, what I have is much more much more on the obsessive side than the compulsive side of obsessive compulsive disorder, where I will f- get thoughts stuck in my head forever. And these thoughts, will, uh, what they used to do, would make me act out compulsions in order to distract myself from them or to uh, somehow placate these obsessions. The biggest example of this, and this is very common in OCD, is if I don't do X, then someone I love will die. That's the biggest one. Because uh, it's the most extreme one, right? <laughs> if I don't uh, rearrange the fridge magnets on this fridge, uh, a family member will die. There's no logic to that, obviously. <laughs> um, there just isn't. Uh, and yet, and yet, for many years, that is how my brain would deal with stress. Uh, or would deal with the world. I would go, look, there's a possibility that terrible things will happen. And you can't control that. What you can control is how is saying all the prime numbers under a hundred as quickly as you can. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I can control that thing. Thank like, good. I do it again and again and again. Oh wait, it's the next day. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, basically was the the main thing, and of course that causes lots of other issues, right? That also causes social anxiety issues, uh, or is c- connected to comorbid with, I believe is the term. Uh, and what didn't help is that for years, uh, for roughly three and a half years, how I treated these mental health issues was not with medication, but was with alcohol. Uh, this is a weird one for me. I t- I've, I've not really, I've not. This is a thing I struggle to talk. About, I struggle, struggle to talk about though. Uh, and I'm starting to just drop it into a conversation, and nobody knows how to deal with it. Uh, which is that I was an alcoholic for like three and a half years. Uh, for like three and a half years. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, I was an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. Uh, I have a troubled co- uh, relationship with alcohol. That leads to me being an alcoholic. And a lot of people, because of a lot of people have met me since I stopped drinking, or got sober, as they say. <laughs> what? Uh, a lot of people don't... I don't, it's not necessarily they don't believe me, but downplay that. I downplayed it for a long time. And this is a big thing, I think. I used to say, I used to say, oh, I stopped drinking because I was a proper drinker. Or, I stopped drinking because I was a bad drunk. And those are both still true. What is also true is that I am an alcoholic. Um... <laughs> And it's hard to express this 
because th- nobody diagnoses you as an alcoholic apart from yourself right <laughs> um, essentially it's not like a doctor like takes a blood test and goes well nah, nah, there it is clear as day in the blood work she's an alcoholic <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not a thing uh, it's not and again it's something that's different for everyone I was at university in Scotland so it was ex- expected for you to drink and here's a big thing a big thing a lot of people who don't seem to buy that I'm an alcoholic it's because it's because of the cultural uh, because of the culture and the society that we live in Scotland has a, a, a drinking problem generally I'm not saying that everyone in Scotland is an alcoholic or that everyone in Scotland has a drinking problem but as a nation we have a problem uh, and a part of that for me is that so much of our socialisation is based around taking a drink. Alright, you'll take a drink, eh? You'll have a drink. Um, so, it was very easy for me. Like, when I was a, a young, when I was, when I was younger, I almost went into singing uh, Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance there. When I was a young boy, my father, uh, no, uh, no, I'm not going to sing that again. I've sang that on stage once. Uh, inexplicably during a Harry Potter show. No, um, <laughs> it was very weird. Um, yeah, when I was younger, um, like my family, none of my family, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say my family are alcoholics, uh, but my family, but my parents uh, would have uh, wine with a meal uh, most nights. Uh, again, I don't mean to the, the, the phone, but like, that's normal. That is normal. They now live in France where it's not just normal, it's expected. Uh, and my brothers uh, both drank and are five and seven years older than me. And there's a, there was a couple of incidents, uh, but not like big incidents, but like things that when I was younger, like my, my, my brothers or would uh, come home drunk and it scared me. Uh, and I remember saying very clearly that I would never drink alcohol. Uh, that was a big thing for me. Right? I was like, oh, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. So I'll never do that. Then uh, when I was 18, I went... Uh, well, and then when I was 16, I did drink it as well. And I drank way too much. And I don't remember what happened. Um, at a friend, at a friend's uh, birthday party, I then got. Uh, I remember I, I woke up at my own house, which and I still have no idea what I did that day that night. And uh, my parent, uh, like I think my parents were called to pick, come and pick me up or something, because uh, I yeah, and it's uh, I still don't know, and that that should have been my first clue, right? But then, you know, kids will be kids, right? That's that's what we say. I, think I, I was like 16. Then when I was like 17, um, there was a, 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 a New Year's party where I was essentially spiking my own drink uh, by, by, by legitimately, this is what I was doing, pouring vodka into uh, cider and drinking that, which is uh, a terrible idea. And that night ended with me again waking up at home. Uh, I had got a t- somebody had put me in a taxi. Uh, I missed the bells that night. I have no memory of that night. 
Then I went to Tina Park uh, and I drank there, but I didn't actually bl get blackout drunk there, which is interesting. Partially, part of that is simply because I was too busy going to see bands. Then I went to university. And uh, that's what everyone did. Everyone drank. Everybody drank. Uh, this, I went as part of the Stirling, Uni Stirling University Drama Society, which was jokingly referred to as the Stirling University Drinking Society. The place, the, the, the one place there was to really hang out was the Student Union, which is a place that sells alcohol. Uh, it, all club nights were based around going to the Student Union afterwards. I developed this idea in my head that the only reason, the only time I would go out, I would go out with the knowledge that I would get blackout drunk. Like, with the, not even the knowledge, with the promise. Like, that was the reason, the only reason I was able to go out was because I had the knowledge that I would get blackout drunk. Uh, and I was dealing with a lot of issues at the time. Uh, pertaining to like my mental health and also containing to the fact pertaining to the fact that uh, my identity was not what I knew it to be, which I didn't figure out for a long time. Uh, I'll talk about I've talked vaguely referred to that before. I'll talk about it at length uh, again. But I uh, struggled with leaving. I struggled with essentially I struggled with agoraphobia for a while, which is the, I think I mentioned that before, this before on this. The fear of leaving, the fear of being in a public place and having a panic attack there, essentially. Uh, have, the fear of having a panic attack in public is essentially what it is. And I was having a lot of panic attacks at the time. So, one of the things I could do to avoid that would be to get drunk. I say one of the things. The other thing would be to not go out. So we have two choices here, right? <laughs> this is how my brain was had set things up. Either I don't go out or I go out and get drunk. Uh, that is, <laughs> it took me a while to realise this, to, to sort of put, this, put the words to this. That's alcohol dependency. <laughs> um, in order to live my life like a normal person, in inverted commas, I need to be drunk. Or have the promise of getting drunk, which would inevitably lead to me getting drunk. I would, on... There was, I think I drank on average six nights a week. Although I think part of that is me for some reason covering for myself and it was much closer to seven nights a week. Uh, I can't really remember the first two and a half years of university. Uh, I just, I don't have really much memories of them. I remember some of the plays that we did. Uh, but in terms of in terms of social stuff, I've it's all blurry. Part of that is because there's a lot of social stuff happening for the first time, and part of that is because I was blackout drunk for quite a lot of it. And when I say blackout drunk, I said that the phrase blackout drunk several times there. Uh, I mean, I would nearly every time I drank, I would argue, I would say about eighty percent of the times that I drank in my life. I got blackout drunk. Like, I would reach a certain point of the night where I no longer remembered what happened. I would wake up with absolutely no memory of beyond a certain point in the night. Now, to me, that's that's definitely alcoholism. 
right? Um, a require it being a requirement for me to live my life, and it being a problem. I would wake up and I would feel worried that I had done something bad, and often I had. Uh, I was apparently very belligerent and aggressive with friends, never to the point where I would like physically attack them, but I would say really hurtful things. Uh, or I would uh, put myself in danger. Uh, or, or, or friends in danger by just like, by like, aggress- like me, uh, one time apparently I, uh, well, one time, one time, me and my me me and a friend is very complicated. Won't get into that. But me and someone I cared about a lot um, went to a nightclub in Glasgow, and the idea was we'd stay at this nightclub in Glasgow until like five in the morning, which is when it closed, and then we'd get the train back to Stirling at six in the morning. I got kicked out of that club at about half ten. Uh, I have no memory of this. I have been told this after the fact. Um, and therefore we just had to be on the streets of Glasgow between half ten and uh, the first train. Uh, I have vague memories of that m- of the next morning. Because I was blacked out for the rest of it. Um, and that's just actively dangerous, right? And that's not the only time that something like that happened. And I, to this day, there are people who I was friends with and I'm no longer friends with. And I don't know why. I'm going to compare this back to a TV show because I'm kind of depressing myself again. Uh, there's a TV show which deals with the issues of... Actually, I'm going to talk about two, two TV shows that deal with mental health issues in a way that I, are... Their problems are not the same as mine, but they resonated with me really, really deeply. Uh, the first of these two shows is Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman is an incredible cartoon on Netflix. Uh, uh, like, just incredible. Um, I was just like, trying to remember the name of the, the creators. It's uh, Raphael Joel Weisberg and Lisa Hannawalt, who does the art. Uh, has another show called um, Took and Bertie, which is incredible and has been renewed and I was very excited about but anyway, Bojack Horseman is about a washed up uh, 90s sitcom star called Bojack Horseman, he is also a horse like this is a <laughs> this is a world where like anthropomorphic animals just wander around, around lots of humans and he is an alcoholic and it plays some, it's, it's not but he's like a high-functioning alcoholic. This is the thing. I don't think I was ever a high-functioning alcoholic. Uh, alcoholism destroyed my like destroyed parts of my life. Um, I was always an extreme uh, case. Um, but he had like the show deals with it in such ways. Like he has massive falls out with good friends because of stuff he does while he's a black while he's black. Uh, Blackout drunk. Um, it doesn't shy away from the fact that this is a serious problem <laughs> that this man has, and he has like his own reasons for being an alcoholic. Uh, that stem from 
pressures of uh, fame and you know the fact that he is unhappy right and that's what essentially comes out of it I've, I've met some other alcoholics although I've still never been to an AA meeting I should really go I have a friend uh, who who is, will remain anonymous obviously and she regularly she, she goes to AA meetings and we've talked about it and it sounds like something that would be useful I was actually going to start going <laughs> not not long before this uh, lockdown happened so and I'd rather my first meeting be um, in person than online uh, what was I saying oh yeah uh, and he deals with the struggles of this and it's an incredible look at how this disease this problem alcoholism can just tear your life apart it's really funny as well but there's always that occurrence that he's going to destroy his social... He's going to destroy his relationships. That is what's going to happen. Because that is the inevitable end point of alcoholism. And then another show I really want to talk about, which is... It's not... She's not an alcoholic, really. Well, she is. I think she, I think she is. She, it's never said. Okay, there's a show called You're the Worst that was on FXX in America... Uh, starring Ali Cash and Chris Gere as uh, two people who are who could be the titular characters because they are the worst. Uh, <laughs> and Ali Cash's character Gretchen doesn't have the same problems I have. She has different mental health problems. She mainly suffers from depression, uh, which we discover in the second season. But the way it shows that depression and that uh, and those issues is so devastatingly done and oh this is again a sitcom so it is a funny show but just has an undercurrent of this character who knows that she has issues she knows she has a problem and she's got these friends around her and it's again about self-destruction it's about uh, detonating on your way out and that's something I've done uh, that I appreciate that I uh, connect with. It's interesting because it was uh, the show was on not long after the show um, uh, Girls, as in the Lena Dunham show, where Lena Dunham's character in that has OCD very similar to mine. Uh, <laughs> she even talks. I think there's even a scene where she says, "Oh no, I've." I, I like I'm much more I got much more of the obsessive than the compulsive, um, and I, like those scenes stuck with me, but they didn't connect with me as much as a different character a character with a different situation from me, and I think that's an important point about media representation that isn't talked about. It's good to see different representations. Like I don't want to see shows that are just about my life. I know what my life is like. I want to see shows that are about other experiences that reflect mine right uh, that I can look at and go oh obviously I don't know what that's like exactly but that part I recognise there was an episode of that show uh, You're the Worst called LCD Sound System um, which is an episode where Gretchen is having an episode and she sort of obsesses over this couple's 
dog first of all, and then they're the couple. Well, they're the couple themselves, and she sort of inserts herself into their life, into their seemingly perfect life. Uh, and it's really horrible and really hard work uh, to watch. And then there's an episode of a later season, which I can't remember what it's called, where she and Jimmy, as Chris Gale's character, uh, make a make couples friends, and she really connects with uh, the other with the other woman. Oh my God, what is her? What is that actor's name? Uh, she played Luna in True Blood. <laughs> if that helps, she's been on the L word uh, as. <laughs> as any favourites I might have she plays Dungeons and Dragons I've watched her play Dungeons and Dragons I cannot remember her name uh, but she feels a genuine connection with this person and like spends this episode getting to know her and then by the end of the episode detonates in the most relatable way <laughs> I'm like oh okay <laughs> I, I totally get that and I think it's interesting that a lot of people have started, there's a backlash now about uh, these comedies um, and because all three of the shows that I've mentioned today uh, have been comedies. Oh, A3, excellent, that's the title, that's the title of the episode, <laughs> those three shows, <laughs> I didn't realise I'd hit three, um, that was not deliberate. Um, <laughs> oh, the, these shows are... Uh, are comedies. They are all comedies. They all do very like nuanced in a very nuanced way with mental health. But they are all comedies and there's a, there's a lot of that. Right? <laughs> this, this is a trend in uh, like cable shows especially. And Netflix has allowed this to be a thing as well. Like, although actually I say that, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was on The CW, which is a major network. Uh, and <laughs> It was originally meant to be on like a cable network. It was meant to be on Showtime, um, but they somehow got it on the CW, like alongside uh, Riverdale and um, Arrow. You know, which are you know like. Not, I'm not denigrating those shows, but like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a mediation on mental health. Um, <laughs> that's what it is, and those are not. Um, <laughs> But there's, so there's a lot of like there's, back, there's backlash about these ideas of like oh comedy should just be funny why are we trying to like why are we trying to make a point you know to which I say you should always be trying to make a point in your art I don't know what to tell you um, <laughs> you know what I mean like I appreciate the fact that art can reflect these things and yes he's like I say uh, they're not things that are specific to me, uh, but they're clo- like they're close. I uh, I know people who were like uh, oh, Rachel. And this is um, a big spoiler for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I guess is that her diagnosis is a borderline personality disorder, and I know several people who that was the f- like the first representation of that that they had seen since Angelina Jolie. And girl interrupted, uh, which is not not a not a as nuanced to take, uh, arguably. 
you know, and representation matters. And uh, even if you don't, even if it's not hundred percent a representation of your life, it can be. Like I'm not a cartoon horse who had a sitcom in the nineties, but I can deeply, deeply relate to some of the stuff that that happens to Bojack. Uh, and I see very much an outcome that could have happened had I not stopped drinking. Uh, and interestingly, the reason I stopped drinking, because I don't know if I mentioned this, is because I started taking uh, antidepressants. And my, the OCD part of my brain, the compulsive part of my brain, read over and over the um, the, the side effects of, uh, or, or the, um, the manual, the... You know what I'm talking about, the little, the warning stuff that came with this Italopram that I was on first, that's what I was on first. And it said in bold black letters, do not mix this with alcohol. So that became my excuse for not drinking. The fact that, uh, the fact that my city was like, oh, if I drink while taking these, I will die. <laughs> um, it's a pretty solid, not everyone is lucky enough to have, <laughs> is lucky enough to have OCD. <laughs> um... So yeah, there is the worry, of course, that when I started, there was the worry in my brain, the genuine worry in my brain, that when I came off um, medication, that I would start self-medicating again. And like, thus far I have not, hence why I was going to start going to meetings. Do you see? It all makes sense. Um, but I don't think I will. I think part, partly because um, this is not a great time to start drinking, and partly because I'm in a much better place than I was. And I have much better, a much great, a much better support network around me. Like I always had a support network. Support networks are complicated because they only work if you actually use them, which I did not for a long time, um, <laughs> because I was not open with anyone about anything. Whereas now, I'm open with the internet about everything, <laughs> uh, and people are supportive back. And the world generally has moved on to being in a better place when it comes to mental health. So that's good. Yeah, sorry, this episode got a bit more serious than some. <gasps> but I still managed to, I still managed to nail three different TV shows. That's really good. Really good work, man. Really proud of myself. Uh, so yeah, stay home. Uh, <laughs> it's not the first part of this. Stay well, stay safe, stay home. Uh, and if back in the 90s you were on a very famous TV show, uh, just know that there are people out there who love you, support you, and will help you. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, my name is Martin Joy. Thank you very much.